Everybody, please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey. everybody how you doing well that's good welcome to broad street hockey radio that's right bsh radio my name is bill Matz. i'm your director of fun and games for the evening you know if you ever lose the joy of childhood that unbridled excitement of looking towards summer vacation all one must do is cover the flyers in a 40 game and 71 day stretch and just <laughs> just pray to god every day that the season gets canceled again no I don't want the season to be canceled. I want it to end as it normally should. Uh, And we are so goddamn close. We are so goddamn close, fam. Two against the Capitals and one against the Devils, and that's it. We are free. We are free from this hellscape that is the NHL and Philadelphia Flyers season. Let's get right into it. Let's lead things off, uh, as we always do with the old introductions, and let's go to the fly by herself, Kelly Hinkle. So the NHL is stupid at all times and definitely not good at marketing, but somehow they have made me feel compelled to watch a Rangers-Capitals game tonight. So good job, buddy. Do you think that's why they did it? No. (laughs) No, I think they're just very stupid and bad at their jobs. But They're definitely not smart enough to do it on purpose, but like guaranteed this Rangers-Capitals game is a top three or four most viewed game all regular season. Easy. Without and a I'm doubt. What, just, just because of the Tom Wilson stuff? Yeah. yeah. Like, how could you not want to watch to see what they're going to do? Fuck else do they have to promote? Like, yeah. has anyone else talked about hockey all year? Like, now they talk mm-hmm. about hockey because of something <laughs> stupid. It's always like God. that with the NHL. Whenever they get to be national news, it's because they've done something really fucking stupid. I think it's hilarious that the Rangers put out this whole statement calling for George Peros to be you, terminated. You really I got me it. with that with that Golden Corral tweet. <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that was good shit. Oh God! I started. It was going to be the Sizzler, but oh no, Golden Corral's much funnier. It, it had to be, and the Sizzler closed during COVID, so Golden Corral. <laughs> um. Yeah, so now George Paros and I have something in common, so that's cool. Um, <laughs> fucking Rangers. The the Rangers, like, I, I think, like, they're gonna, the, the league is gonna be like, what the fuck are you doing? You can't, you, you can't just call for our oh, guys to be fired. they will be punished more heavily than Tom Wilson was, which wouldn't take yeah. much. I mean, Shane Goss' bear is about to be, and we'll get into that, but first, let's hear from... TheAthletic.com's own Charlie O'Connor. Yeah, sure. Why not? Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think one thing I actually am looking forward to, um, aside obviously from the conclusion of the Flyer season, is I, I'm I'm legitimately looking forward to watching the playoffs this year. Um, and I mean, obviously, I watched like the Flyers playoffs last year, but you know, I really didn't get much of a chance to watch pretty much any other games of any other teams 
aside from like a few one-offs through the first two rounds of the playoffs. And the first two rounds are really fun. Like, especially the first round, the first round's a blast. Um, and I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to, you know, you know, we've, we've kind of returned to, you know, some slight sense of normality. I'm fully vaccinated. I'm looking forward to like going out there bars, watching games on TV and getting excited. And I'm looking forward to that because you know what? This has been a really awful season. And it's not been a fun season to cover and not necessarily just because like, obviously it's more fun to cover a team when they're good, but I mean, it's been a miserable year all around and I'm looking forward to kind of just kicking back and, and blowing off some steam because it, this year has sucked. And we're watching get... hockey at a bar. Sounds fun. Can I come? Yeah. With you? Yeah. Why not Kelly? Cool. <laughs> can we talk to uh can we talk to like Fieldhouse about doing that playoff party from last year? And it's <laughs> be like, it's just gonna be like a random Colorado Minnesota game. <laughs> like, no, I, I'm with yes. you, Chuck. I'm with you, Chuck. Like, uh, you know, and hockey's been such a drag this year because the Flyers have been just so fucking unbearable. Like, I've been starting to watch some of the playoff teams and getting into playoff mode, and like, there's gonna be some good shit. Yeah, like, there's gonna be some some jolly good fun times. Uh to be had especially with my Minnesota Wild who I called a good team at the start of the year and my three distinguished colleagues scoffed at the I notion mean, I, I mean I think uh, I think I said that there was a chance they could make the playoffs I just didn't think they were going to be a good team well I mean I just still I, don't even I still don't know if they're a good team or if they just have Kirill Kaprizov who's awesome if they win tonight in regulation against Vegas, and we'll get into more shit later in the show, I just want to throw this out there. If they win tonight in regulation against Vegas, they're two points out of the division lead, which goes from like, oh, they'll never win with Colorado and Vegas to, oh, they've got four or five games left. They definitely could. Yeah, just but they, saying, they, they've, yeah, lost, but they've they, won they, five in a row against Vegas. I would be very surprised if they beat either of those teams in the playoff series. But actually, there is a point I, I do want to make. Oh, um, in the playoff series, sure. There, there is a point I do want to make here. Um, it kind of like, I, I wasn't even going to bother making this, um, but it sort of follows what I was saying. Um, there was a couple of days ago, I, I made a tweet basically saying that like, you know, it really stinks that, you know, thinking back to the way things were in the Wells Fargo Center, um, you know, back in March of 2020, uh, you know, before, before COVID, before the pandemic. And it just seemed like things were really trending in the direction of, you know, it being, you know, this team being fun. You know, the, the Wells Fargo Center was starting to get loud again. Fans were getting excited. The team was playing a fun style. And some people really got mad at me for saying that because the argument was, you're a journalist, you're not a homer. And the point I'll make is this. Like, I, I try to do as best I can to, to separate out fandom from objective journalism. I think I do a good job. Maybe I don't. But the thing is, the thing that I'll, the point I'll make is this. Like, it's a lot more fun as a journalist to cover a team that isn't fucking miserable. Like, it's, it doesn't come down to, like, rooting for a team. It comes down to the fact that it's a lot more fun to write articles. It's a lot more fun to talk to players. It's a lot more fun to watch the games. It's a lot more fun to be at the games when the team isn't like walking around half dead because they hate everything that's going on. Like you still do it. It's a job, but it's the difference between like working at a company that's successful and hitting their goals and everybody's in a good mood and a team that's like about or in a company that's about to go bankrupt. 
Like, there's something to be said about, like, w- like wanting to enjoy your job. And this is a job that I generally enjoy, and this year has been miserable because it's been demanding as hell and because the fact that, you know, there's nothing really... Like, there's no stories to tell because you don't have that much no. access and no one wants to read about the awful games because who would want to read about these terrible games? And, like, I don't want to sound like I'm complaining because I still love this job and, and I still love the fact that I cover the team. But, like, me saying that I miss when it was fun... That's not me saying, like, you know, I'm a homer, I miss when the Flyers are winning. Like, I just miss when this job wasn't soul-crushing. Like, that's the point I'm making there, and I want to make that abundantly clear. Charlie, I really can't wait for this season to end. I need you to just delete your social media accounts for a week. Just (laughs) fucking delete them. Maybe two. Like, everyone, please just stop being mean to Charlie. I mean, whatever. Like, just stop being mean to I, Charlie. Continue being mean to women and stop being mean to Charlie. Don't, don't I, be mean to women I either, am please. a homer. Yeah. I, uh, I am a homer. And I will 100% say, say like, Charlie is right. Uh, it, it's fucking miserable covering this team. Like, after every game, I'm just sitting there like... Like, with five minutes left, I'm going, I'm not doing post-game tonight. Fuck it. <laughs> like, and then I talk like, myself like, what into it, and it's what is fine. There to, what but is when there people to say? don't care, it's hard to care. It's not even that people don't care. It's like, what can, what can you tell about these games? They're all the fucking same. They, they all follow the same formula, pretty much. Like, that's why... The game two days ago was so jarring. It's like, wait, they didn't go down one nothing, and then that one nothing lead didn't turn into three nothing, and then when the other team kind of came back, they didn't completely fall apart. Like it wasn't even like, yes, I'm happy the Flyers are winning. It's just like, yes, I'm happy something different is happening. <laughs> Last but certainly not least, Stephalicious D. Steph Driver. Oh, um, <laughs> um. The Flyers. Uh, <laughs> I forgot okay, so. that I still had yet to talk. Um, I'm very happy that the season is almost over, and uh, I live in Georgia now. That's I forgot completely what I was going to say. That's fine. Are you going to start so, saying uh, y'all more? I'm, yeah, I'm probably, here for it. Probably. Cool. <laughs> y'all. <laughs> is, is, is the cat mama just like in her, in her glory? Like, I've always belonged here? Not yet. Not. Once I get a fence, I think she will be. Um, it's very green outside. I have a lot of woods. Um, she'll be very happy. I've got a creek running through my property, and we Ooh. just got like four inches of rain in the past two days. Steph's so going fishing down the creek. Pretty much. <laughs> um, that's my life now. This is this is who I am. I. It's been eighty degrees every day. Um. I'm a Southerner. It's weird. Uh, I I had something about the Flyers to say, and I just completely forgot. So yeah. cool. Here's here's something uh, that really jarred again. something that really jarred me that I thought of in the middle of the night the other night, and it kind of speaks to Charlie's point a little about things being miserable. Uh, what if we're not like a year or two away still? What if we actually missed it? What if the 2019-20 season was the year? Uh, and it just got taken away from us because, you know, life is, life is pain. Uh, like, what if that really was the team? The goalie was hot. Kevin Hayes looked like an actually good player. Uh, you know, all the Travis Konechny, actually good player. 
and it just it just didn't happen because a fucking pandemic started a you know a day after a nine game winning streak ended. I don't know. I don't want to go. I don't want to crawl down that rabbit hole. It's just something just something that crossed my mind the other. I mean, night. I it, it the thing is it shouldn't be like it it shouldn't be ba- no. based on you know the way that they've constructed the team and the amount of young players they have and the pipeline they have like it shouldn't be but you never really know i mean you you don't know you don't know how many how many cracks you have at it until you look back 5 6 years later and you're like oh yeah that was the moment so you don't know i mean yeah maybe maybe this year is the start of like a bad period where the Flyers just can't pull themselves out of this fire. Like, I mean, the two teams I think of as like the worst case scenario for the Flyers are the um the the Winnipeg Jets and the Calgary Flames. Like both those teams had like that one really good year. And you looked at their team and you're like, man, you know, they're gonna be good for a while. You know, the, I think the the Jets had the year where they they got to the conference final and they lost to the Golden Knights and everybody like everybody thought they were going to beat the Golden Knights because they were loaded and the Golden Knights were an expansion team and then the Flames had the year where I think they had the best record in the conference and then they got upset in the first round and they haven't been the same team since so like yeah if you asked fans of either of those two teams during that year whether that was the only year it was going to really have a shot they would think you were crazy but now you look back and you're like oh. The Flames, I guess their mix just isn't right. The Jets, oh, their defense fell apart, and no one wants to stay in Winnipeg because it's Winnipeg. So that fell apart. So and like the, like Winnipeg will make the playoffs, but like I don't think they're gonna win anything. Um, so you never really know. I mean, I would hope that the Flyers have enough assets that last year doesn't have to be viewed as the only year. But who knows? I mean, there's a lot of different paths this can take, and obviously this offseason is gonna be huge in deciding which path they end up going on. So I have a question, and I think it is, at this point, the most important question surrounding the Philadelphia Flyers as an organization. Um, What the fuck is up with Mark Friedman? Why do they hate him? (laughs) Truly. Why do they hate him so much? Like, Like, this this is a team that has shown, like, no fire all year. They have shown no personality. They don't get mad. Like, last night, like, he he lays a clean hit on Joel Farabee. And this is a team that hasn't stuck up for anyone all year. Jake Voracek goes and challenges him. And Joel Farabee gets up and goes, no, I fucking got this, bro. Like, and (laughs) drops the gloves and, like, drops him with a fucking nice hook. Uh, Shane Gosses Bear, two seconds after an empty net goal, is just like, fuck it, and shoves him into the boards from behind. Like, Ghost is going to get penalized way worse than Tom Wilson. Um, uh, why? What is... I know we've talked about this in the past, and it's not like... It, it doesn't sound like he's Tony D'Angelo, like, from what we've heard, but... Uh, it doesn't sound like he... It doesn't seem like he was well-liked. Like, this has been going on for a few games now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there was the whole thing... Um, before the the reason that it took him so long to be called up is his maturity, um, and it wasn't physical; it was uh, emotional and mental. So, I don't know if there's something there. You know, Bill Meltzer said that he complained loudly in the locker room about not getting ice time and how he should be playing over the other defensemen. Which, like, that's not wrong. But I can't imagine, I can't imagine, like, the people that he's pissed off. Like, that's not something that would piss them off, I don't think. So, I don't know. 
Yeah, it seems to just be suggested that he's an asshole. But, like, there's probably lots of assholes. And they really, really fucking hate this dude. Like, I keep... I keep coming back to Nolan Patrick fought him, and Nolan Patrick is an asshole. So, like, what did he do yeah, to possibly yeah, and, piss off and, Nolan Patrick? And, and Nolan Patrick, I mean, he's been criticized by pretty much everyone in the fan base for not looking engaged this season. Whether that's fair or not, I don't know. But it's the only time he's very obviously looked engaged is when he's been dealing with Mark Friedman. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, I mean... Look, I've I've heard kind of I I didn't realize that Bill Meltzer actually said that, but that I mean I've heard that that he didn't say he's an asshole. No, uh, no, no, I'm talking specific. I'm talking specifically about the like playing time because I heard that basically he was scratched a lot of the beginning of the season and Freeman number one thought he deserved playing time, which is fair. I mean that's not something I think that would they would piss off teammates. Like obviously everybody who's not playing deserves thinks they deserve playing time. Like. If you don't, you're not an NHL player. You might as well just, you know, spend your whole career in the AHL because you're you're you don't you, you have too much self awareness. You should have self confidence and believe that you deserve to be in the lineup. But I do I, I do think that Friedman made it more obvious that like he thought guys that were playing over him weren't actually good or at least weren't playing well. And that's kind of crossing a line because you're basically telling someone more or less either behind their back or to their face that you think they suck at their job. Like there's, it's it's weird in a locker room. Like you're allowed to be like, I want to play, but you can't be like, well, I want to play over this guy because he sucks because he's your teammate. He wasn't wrong. Yeah. But yeah, but like, I was like, maybe Mark Friedman should be the coach. It doesn't matter whether you're (laughs) wrong or not. It still pisses people off. Yeah. Like it's the truth. Like it's a team. You're supposed to kind of have each other's back and playing time is a weird thing because like it's, it's a weird situation because, like, if you want playing time, that means that it has to come at the expense of someone else. So you're allowed to be annoyed about playing time, but you're not allowed to shit on the person who you think you deserve playing time over. So I, I, I'm pretty sure that was there. In addition, as Steph said, you know, there's there were questions about his maturity early in his professional career. And I remember in development camps... Like, and I loved it as someone who watched development camps. He was the most intense guy on the ice all the friggin' time. Like, he would be knocking people on their ass. And these are, like, in drills. Like, no one went as hard as Mark Friedman. And I imagine that that had to piss some people off, like, year over year of having to deal with this, like, super intense guy in these drills who, you know, is, like, the try-hard dude. And, you know, he's also a pest on the ice. You know, this is a guy who in the AHL, and I always was impressed by this when I would look at the numbers, and I, you know, I talked to Scott Gordon about it, and he was like, yeah, it's kind of funny. He drew a lot of penalties, and he drew a lot of penalties because he successfully pissed off other teams, you know, with what he said, with what he did, with the little things he'd do behind the play and scrum, stuff like that. So, look, I've been asked by people who, like, I would normally ask, like, Hey, why do they hate Mark Freeman so much? And I was like, honestly, I was going to ask you the same question. So, like, I don't, like, I'm, <laughs> I'm sure there is a reason. That said, maybe it is just as simple as they didn't particularly like his attitude this season because they thought he was a little entitled when he was on the team. 
And then he left, joined another team, and was annoying as hell on the ice. And then it was just like, well, screw this guy. Like, it might just be that simple. It does seem like there's more to it because, like, they really, really don't like this guy. But maybe it is just that simple. No, like, the way they treat, and that, like, that's all the most likely thing. Like, that sounds like what's probably going on. Watching them interact with him on the ice, it looks like some sort of Lindros-Brendamore situation. Like, I'll just <laughs> leave it at that, you know? Uh, I'm just, like, it, it's freaking insane. Now, all that said, it, talking about his personality, it doesn't look like Mark Friedman's any type of special player, but just his personality on the ice. Flyers fucked this one up. Well, I mean, I, 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 I mean, care. they did at the, at the same time, like theoretically, if everybody on the team hated him, I understand why they waved him. But again, now we're getting into, yeah. into guessing at the same time, like, look, Mark Freeman was better than Nate Prosser. And that was, you know, yeah. from a roster standpoint, that was why they waved him. They waved him because Nate Prosser jumped Mark Freeman on the depth chart. They, Mark Freeman yes. had, be, had become the eighth defenseman, essentially, or maybe even the ninth defenseman. I have to go back and look. But he got jumped by Nate Prosser in the depth chart, and they were like, okay, well, if Nate Prosser is, if we, if our coaches have determined that Nate Prosser is better than Mark Friedman, then we got to get Mark Friedman's contract off of our roster because we need the space. So they waived him and he was claimed. I don't think Mark Friedman is a star. I think he's better than Nate Prosser, so that was a failure of player evaluation. Yeah. Which, like, is that hard? No. To to be better than Nate Prosser? Like, if that's what Mark Friedman's big complaint was, I agree with you, buddy. Fair. And is it hard <laughs> is it hard to make that determination? No. And entrusting the guy who fucked that up to like fix the many ills of this team. But, you know, we have a whole offseason to talk about that. I kind of just want to ask about Ghost and let that lead into other things. He's got a hearing. Um, he getting suspended? He's totally going to get suspended. I, I think nor normally that... no, but considering the Wilson thing, yeah, they're going to throw the book at this guy. <laughs> also, I feel, and like, here's the thing. Like, it's probably a suspension. Like, one game for that, I think, is probably... A fair. It's bush result. league. Like that's. It's a little. You don't silly. do that. Yeah, yeah. But that's but like the day after, you find a guy five thousand dollars for literally trying to kill Artemi Panarin. Yeah, I mean the optics, folks. Like read the room well, a little bit. You're asking the NHL to get the optics right. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, you're asking for some awareness. <laughs> and it's just like, it's frustrating because even if they do suspend him one or two games, like they're not doing the wrong thing. But like, how the fuck am I supposed to take you seriously when your name is Department of Player Safety? And a guy arguably grabs him by his hair. If, even if he didn't, grabbed him by the head and slew footed him and tried to slam his head into the ice. That seems less safe. Than pushing a guy into the boards. He's the king of the jungle, Kelly. He's the king uh, of the jungle. The king of the jungle. I forgot. Um, but yeah, it's just it's a it's hard to not agree with the ranger statement. Is all I'll say. And no, it is. As someone who loves George Paros and has a mustache in honor of him, uh, it's it's hard. <laughs> uh, 
Um, I liked him when he was a player too, but he's bad Oh, at his I loved job. him. Because he was like, that's the thing, is you would think this type of goonery would be something he's against because he's like a guy who did it right. Like he stood up and dropped his gloves and fought you face to face. He didn't like wait for you to be down face down and punch you in the back. Uh, he, I don't know, but uh, this is this is the good old boys club of the NHL. They seem to love Tom Wilson. Uh, I thought what was funny though is the. Uh, does everyone else think Ghost is getting suspended first? I don't. Um, only because that would validate the Rangers' position, and you don't really want to do that. I mean, I think he might get like a game or two. It was yeah. like, it was a shitty play. I mean, it was a shitty it was mm-hmm. a shitty play. Ghost was frustrated. They probably don't like Mark Friedman, and he got pissed and he lost his cool. And like, if they suspend them, I don't like. Fine. I mean, it's something she should have done it. So I can't like I can't muster any anger if he no, were to get no. su- if he were to get suspended. Like, have he they let it. have they let plays like that go without suspensions before? Probably. But it's a shitty play. He shouldn't have done it. So, and the season's over anyway. So, like, whatever. And it's uh like because it's somebody who the team clearly has an issue with. Like, it's intentional. Like, there's no arguing. He didn't know who he was doing it to. Like all that. But the fact that Friedman popped up, I think Ghost might get away with it. Like, obviously, if Friedman gets hurt, it's a more serious situation, yeah, yeah, yeah. and Ghost is probably done. But, you know, the NHL governs by result, usually, except in the case of Artemi Panarin. Um, And the result was everyone's okay, so maybe he just walks away with a fine. But this Tom Wilson stuff, man... Can can I make make, make one more point about um, about Ghost? Yeah, jump in. Before you switch. The point I'll make is that one thing that would stink, um, and it's why I hope that, like, if he gets a suspension, it's only a game or, or two. Like, I think there's a pretty good chance that Shane Gossbear is not on the Flyers next year. And I would, it would suck if that was the last thing that Shane Gossespierre does as a Philadelphia oh, Flyer is knocking, that's a good is point. knocking Mark Friedman from behind and getting suspended for the final <laughs> three games of the year. Like that would stink because I mean, look, Ghost has had a very weird tenure in Philadelphia, but he did a lot of really cool things on the ice. And if this is the end, I prefer this not to be the way it ends. I like that the, uh, since everything worked out and Mark Friedman is apparently fine, I think it would be kind of funny that the undersized weakling, uh, his last impression of Philadelphia was he finally became a Broad Street bully. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's, that's, I, I kind of think that that would be his, like, funny as his last yeah, play. Yeah, a little a flyer. But I, I want more from Ghost. I want yeah. more for Ghost, is what I want. I'm I want another season or two as a third pair defenseman out of Ghost, but I don't think yeah. we're getting that. Um, the Tom Wilson stuff, man, like, this is this is a fucking... Like, this is stupid at this point. Like, to fine him? Jake Voracek, didn't he get two games for that reverse hit? He, he sure did. It, but he got two off the bat, right? Yep. And that's like sure a hockey play. Yep. Okay. We have seen many, many, many things. Given so, games or two that were. I, I found it a little funny last night because everyone's like, if this wasn't Tom Wilson, no one would care. Well, yeah, that's kind of the point. Like, when a murderer gets out and kills someone the next day, it's like, yes, we care more because maybe he shouldn't have been out. Um, just kind of one of them things. The TK Crosby wrestling match last night, 
Crosby kind of did the same thing. No, he didn't. Yes, Thank he you. did. No, he didn't. People that who were saying head into the no, ice. you are doing that is diminishing what Tom Wilson did, yeah. and it's making people look silly. He absolutely did nothing even close to what Tom Wilson did. He didn't punch him in the back of the head. He mushed his head that was already on the ice into the ice more. He was not going to hurt him. Like there was, it, it was not nearly what he did. And they I were engaged. Disagree yes. on on just like technicalities. Like yes, they're two very different situations. But like TK's head was not on the ice. It, it he definitely like from at least six inches was pushing no. his head into. I mean, I don't he was like was that far. It's the difference between a punch and a noogie. Like TK yes. kind of started it. They were both engaged. Yeah, he wasn't exactly. just laying there. Yeah. It was completely different, and I really yeah. need people to stop equating the two things because they're just not the same. Well, it's—I it's, mean, what it is is it's because number one, a lot of people don't like Sidney Crosby. Number two, <laughs> is this true? Every Capitals fan doesn't like Sidney Crosby. So, like, yeah. you have a lot of reason for people to be yelling, like, "Look at that!" And that's not going to be a big deal because obviously it's Crosby. Look, I mean. Konechny wasn't blameless in that situation either. He was battling the cross. Exactly. Like hockey. No, 100. Whatever, like it's hockey. That, that's one of those everyone's trying to, like, chalk up the Wilson thing to this is just what happens in scrums. And like, no, it very much isn't. Like, what happened between TK and Crosby, that's what happens in scrums. Like, what happened in the Wilson thing, it's it's a fucking embarrassment, honestly. All right, we, uh, wow, it's already 10.38, so we're going to take a break, and we'll be back on the other side to talk about everyone's favorite subject, Dave Scott. All right, hold on just a second. All right, fam, we are back, and, uh, honestly, I, I don't give a shit about what Dave Scott says, because I don't actually Same. think he does anything, but he said stuff, and people are reacting to it, uh... Does anyone have a problem with the comments that came out? Like, we're not going to blow up the team. Like, I think that's obvious. You don't blow up. It's impossible to blow up the team. Like, the team can't be blown up. No team can be blown up this offseason. Um, there's an expansion draft. There's a flat salary cap. Uh, there, there will be no blowing up of the team. They're going to make tweaks. I, I don't think... You know, he definitely wasn't... People want blood, and I understand that. I do, too. I want to be told there's going to be a culture change. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter what they say, but I don't know. It seems like people are mad about these comments. I don't know if it, they're worth getting mad about, because what's he supposed to say? Also, like, if if you read it, like, what he said is what everyone's been saying, that the mix is bad, that they need to add certain key pieces in order for the team to improve. He even said that the coaches aren't really doing their job the way they're supposed to. Like, do I want to hear from Dave Scott about hockey? Not even a little bit. Like, I don't give a fuck what this guy has to say about the hockey team. But what he actually said wasn't really that controversial. It wasn't like he was like, this is a really good hockey team and everything is great. and We're not going to change a goddamn thing. Like, he didn't say that. He said we're going to make changes and things aren't good and things have to get better and the coaches need to make the team more prepared to win night in and night out. Like, what is wrong with those comments? I, 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 think, there's, I think there's a couple of things at play here. So the first thing is that the Inquirer gate did Dave Scott and this whole situation no favors 
by the title they used for the article, which was essentially, we're not going to blow it up. Because that immediately, the look, I would say 70% of people on social media, and that might be undershooting it, don't actually read articles. They read headlines, and then they, <laughs> and, and then they yell about stuff. And then they yell about stuff. And you read that headline, and the first thing you think is, they don't care, they're not angry, you know, they're, they're happy with whatever the hell happened this year, and Dave Scott's the guy at the top, and this is just another example of why this franchise is a disaster and this organization is pathetic and, and worth my, you know, scorn and, and criticism and everything. So that was number one. Number two, and this I think is an important thing to, to point out in understanding why people were angry at Dave Scott saying something. It's basically that, like... Every time Dave Scott opens his mouth, he implicitly is compared to Ed Snyder. He is. Mm. It's just, it's, it's inevitable. And Ed Snyder was Ed Snyder. And, Ed's, and all, all you do is you read Dave Scott's comments, and it's, you know, I don't necessarily think, like, the points he made were wrong, but they're so not Ed Snyder comments. They're very corporate. They're very stilted. They're very, you know, guarded. And, you know, he brought up the COVID excuse. And there's there's things that were said that people read that and they're like, number one, and this is this is also an, an, an you know underrated important part of this. People are just mad that Dave Scott didn't talk sooner because they're like, Ed would have been out in front of this. Ed would have been yelling in the beginning of March that this was unacceptable. So the fact that Dave Scott spoke at all just reminded people that Ed wouldn't have waited until May to talk. Ed would have called an impromptu press conference immediately and screamed and yelled because he was Ed, and that's all he cared about was the success of this hockey team. So this was a reminder, number one, that we hadn't heard from this guy for months. Number two, it was just a reminder that, like, Things are different, and Dave Scott is no Ed Snyder. And, like, I'm not even saying that as a slight against Dave Scott. No yeah. one is going to be Ed Snyder. Ed Snyder was, no. you know, a once-in-a-generation you know, once type of owner who every team in the NHL wishes they had because no one cared more about the success of their hockey team. No one cared more about the Flyers than Ed Snyder. No one is going to replicate that. And whenever you read a Dave Scott comment or article or whatever, all that fans can think of is none of this would have happened under Ed. And that's, in my mind, where a lot of the anger stems from. It's just the implicit and- comparison to Ed Snyder. And Scott is never going to hold up against Ed Snyder. No one would. I I have a lot of respect for Ed Snyder. I think everybody holds him in a, a certain light, in a cert with a certain amount of reverence. Uh, everyone remembers though, right? Like last time Ed Snyder did his Ed Snyder routine, we ended up giving Ilya Brzezgalov fifty one million dollars and giving up on Sergei Bobrovsky. Like mm-hmm. that's what that I sure some, do remember that. Yeah. That's that's some of the shit that that could lead to sometimes. And I'm not saying like Ed Snyder was a bad owner. He was an excellent owner who ran into some really bad luck, especially considering like, you know, the Stanley Cup finals they went to in the 80s and ran into three fucking dynasties and going to, you know, uh, Eastern Conference finals in 95, 97, 2000, uh, 04. 08 and 2010 and coming away with no cups like in six final four appearances like ran into some bad luck in those times but you know there's also a downside to just 
being that guy who who makes the emotional decision all the time and I'm not always right, you know, and it seemed like we were validated, people like me who yell and scream by Ed Snyder, that's uh, about Ed Snyder, that's why we liked him so much, but, you know, he was often wrong too, uh, and I, I think we forget that a little bit sometimes, but, yeah, it's... Yeah, there's definitely some revisionist history happening. Well, I think there's an element of, like, if you really talk to someone who is, like, gung-ho on the you know, I want the Ed Snyder era back. If you really talk to them, they will acknowledge that, yeah, there were weaknesses of the Ed Snyder era. You know, obviously the Brzezgalov situation was a mess. You know, they they would, you know, put together teams just with, like, the big stars. And, you know, obviously they didn't win a cup for years and years and years. So something was wrong about the approach. That said, the argument you you eventually circle back to is that, for all of Snyder's faults, the Snyder era was at least a lot better than whatever the hell this is. So basically, the they were argument, competitive and it was yeah, fun. Yeah. So basically, the argument is like, yeah, Snyder wasn't perfect, but it's better than this slop. Which is a fair point to make. Yeah, it's hard to oh, argue. It's that. it's one hundred percent true, uh, and. You know, a part of me did want a little bit more, just a fraction more Ed Snyder in some of these Dave Scott comments. But like we've all said, he kind of said a lot of the right stuff. And listen, I don't want to hear the COVID excuse, but it's part of it. It's definitely part of it. You know, there's there's a lot of reasons. It's not just one thing. It's not just like Claude Giroux's a bad captain, or all the young players stink, or Carter Hart's a bust. Like, there's a lot of reasons that things went this year the way they went that aren't just everything sucks, burn the world down, eat at Arby's, etc. Um, yeah, like, every single thing went as wrong as possible. Like, it's not even like... Every single thing just went a little bit wrong. It's every single thing went the complete opposite direction. And what you said earlier, like probably 40 minutes ago about <laughs> last year was the year. You moved too fast for me to comment. Last year was the year and we missed it. I think about that a lot. Like I think about that way too much. Um, and it really, really bums me out. And I, I mean, think, it's, I th go ahead, Kelly. I was just going to say it's, it's easy though, because of what happened to like convince ourselves that they definitely would have won and they might've. Sure. Yeah. It's always easy to do. Things that. had to break right. And things were breaking right for them at that moment. But like, we don't yeah. know for sure. And it's the same damn team. Like if they did it before, they can do it again. No Maddie Niskanen. Yeah, Matt Niskanen is the special sauce. He makes everybody win. It's Orr, Lidstrom, Pronger, Niskanen. Niskanen. Yeah. <laughs> One of the five best defensemen ever. Yeah. <laughs> Dylon, Dylon, Dylon. <laughs> just need Carter Hart not to be the historically worst goaltender in the history of the NHL, and we'll be just fine. Yeah. I, I think that it'll be fine, but I do. I think about it way too much that this like that last year was it and we missed it and everything is bad now. I also think there's like a bit of hedging in uh 
in Scott's comments. Like, no, I don't think they're going to blow it up, but obviously they're going to try to make moves if for no other reason than, you know, they're going to be at 100% capacity next year and they're going to be charging full price. Yeah. They want to move some fucking tickets. They're going to make moves this offseason. However, uh, it's going to be really hard to do. So y- you kind of want the expectations to be low. And people will go, oh, well, okay, well, they were good two years ago, maybe COVID is the reason they were bad. And if they do have that, uh, you know, Paul Holmgren 07 offseason, then people will be genuinely fucking excited, you know, back with a vengeance. Which leads yeah. me to maybe the know. most I, important... I don't know. Yeah, there's, uh, the, the point I'll make about that, um, before, I, I just, I could, Bill, I could see you changing topics, and there was something else I wanted to add about this. I want to. I was setting up a joke topics. anyway, so go ahead. Okay. <laughs> anyway um the one thing probably the thing in in dave scott's comments that i had the biggest issue with um and not again not because it's not because they lacked anger like i've accepted that dave scott that's just he's not going to be ed snyder in that sense he's not going to be the passionate guy because Ed Snyder was a naturally passionate guy who lived and died with this team that he literally brought to the city. And Dave Scott is never going to have that attachment to the Flyers. So hoping for it and being angry it's not there, it's a fool's errand because it's never going to be there. But the thing that did rub me the wrong way was, and I'll tell you why it rubbed me the wrong way, was there was a point in the interview where he says that basically we don't need to, we don't need James Van Riemsdyk or Jake Voracek to be taken by Seattle in order to make the moves we want to make. And then he goes in and says that I want us to get a first pair defenseman. I want us to get a scorer. I want us to get, you know, it strongly hinted that I want us to get a backup goalie, a better backup goalie than Brian Elliott. And like, those are the right things in my mind to want. I I would be in favor of them getting a second defenseman as well, in addition to a top pair defensive. But like, you're on the right track here in terms of what the holes of the roster are. My problem is, is that, those comments tell me that, like, they, they, they hint to me that he doesn't really get how this works from, like, a cap standpoint. Like, they can't— Does he need to? No, but it sort of shows the disconnect between him and the team. Like, Fair. I'm not saying that the Flyers necessarily have to get rid of one of JVR or Jake Voracek to make moves they want to make, but they need to move somebody. They need to move some pieces in order to get the pieces they want to get. And to believe and to to imply that, like, we can just get these guys and we're going to get them and we don't need to blow up the roster. We don't need to make moves. You don't need to move guys out to clear the space to get the guys that I want us to get. That tells me that basically he's not really fully engaged in what it will take to improve this roster. He's just parroting what he's heard from people who probably know what it takes to improve this roster. But like the issue I had is that like, there has to be a degree of acknowledgement that if you want to make the moves and the additions that they clearly want to make, the pieces are going to have to go out. And if you don't think the pieces are going to have to go out, then you're not engaged enough in what needs to be done to make the moves that you want to make. And that rubbed me the wrong way because it's like, look, I understand you're not a hockey guy, 
but like it's kind of your job to understand that like look you're gonna have to trade a couple pieces you're gonna have to move out some cash space if you want to trade for a Ryan Ellis if you want to sign a Dougie Hamilton like that's necessary because the rules of hockey and the rules of the NHL say that you can only spend 81.5 million dollars worth of cash space and they don't have the available cash space to make these moves that you want them to make if that makes sense it, it does, does. I, can I play devil's advocate real quick? Like maybe because acknowledging that he's not Ed Snyder means that you have to accept that he's like a corporate guy that has been trained for his entire career to talk out of both sides of his mouth. Um, the I mean, there's a situation that could happen where one of JVR or Jake Voracek is still on the roster next season. And that doesn't oh, yeah, mean I, that the offseason yeah, was a yeah. failure. Like, that could happen. Absolutely. And so perhaps Absolutely. he's saying that just to ensure that both of these guys aren't walking around pissed off because they think the team wants to get rid of them in order to be successful. Maybe he's just, you know, playing corporate politics with Not two even of po- his highly has, players. Has anybody ever said like during a season whether it's a successful or fucking failure of a season yeah we need to get rid of some of these fucking guys they gotta go jake Vorchek sucks he's especially by name i'm not saying i'm not saying that he should have said that what i'm saying is that there has to be an acknowledgement not necessarily like yes we need to lose we need to lose this specific guy because that would be dumb that would be dumb on a lot of levels but there has to be an acknowledgement that you know we can't just take this roster, add these three pieces, and everything will be great. If you want to add those three yeah. pieces, there has to be removals that allow for the addition of those pieces. And the way that piece read, and maybe maybe it wasn't what Dave Scott said. I don't know. Maybe it was just presented, you know, in in misleading fashion by Sam. I wasn't in the interview. I'm not. This isn't me shitting on Sam. I'm just saying, like, maybe there was context that wasn't in there because it wasn't put in there. I don't know. It was a one-on-one interview. My point is, is that I'm not going to get mad at Dave Scott for not being as passionate as Ed Snyder because I don't think anybody could be as passionate as Snyder. I can criticize Dave Scott for not being knowledgeable or not seeming to be knowledgeable because it is his job to be knowledgeable. And that's something that's that fair. that's something that you can gain. Like you're never going to you're never going to manifest Ed Snyder's Ed Snyder's passion. You can become knowledgeable about your team in a way that allows you to, when asked that question, say, look, I don't know what who Seattle's gonna take, but obviously if we're gonna make the additions we want to make, we're gonna need to move some pieces out and we'll see what we'll see what those pieces are when the offseason begins. Like that's the answer in my mind that should have been should have been said because that would show that you understand that there's a salary cap and you can't just go out and take buy players and spend a hundred million dollars. You just can't do that. You should be able to buy cap space, though. Like you should be able to rent other teams' cap space. It's been discussed, but they don't want they don't want to be the case. Yeah, the the NHL has the the NHL has actually talked about that though. The idea of like you know you can sell cap space for draft picks, but the NHL has always said no. Yeah, because the broke teams would just sell it like that. Exactly. You know the whole point of the the whole point of the fucking. Uh, salary cap would be void at that point. All right, so I tried setting this up a little bit ago, but Charlie had actual points to make. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So what should, this is maybe the most important question of the offseason now, what should next year's slogan slash hashtag be? Because I think I have a good one here. Redemption in all lowercase letters, but a capital 
D. Because oh they well, gotta fix the for, D. Can't forget that D. You always they gotta, gotta emphasize. They gotta the fix D. the defense. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I mean, don't make yeah. me make these jokes. What was I can't right now? What was the um? What was the slogan? I'm trying to think. What What were the slogans after their bad seasons? So, like, what was the slogan in that, 2017 after the tw- after the twenty after the 2016-17 season? What was the slogan? Uh, well, it was fly or die was the one for 2019. Fly or die. Fly or die. Oh, um, God. That, 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 I, the yeah, only that, one I remember is Back with a Vengeance. That might that, that yeah, might have been. The, there was back a, with a Vengeance might have been the one after the bad season, the, the second half That season. was, yeah. There was one yeah. after fly or die that I can't remember. Back with a Vengeance was 07, 08 when they made all the signings, they were good again, and they also had like seven suspensions in the first two months of the season. Like, cause that was a great one. Yeah, I'm sure. Why not? Clutch time was great. Love well, that, but, but but clutch time, clutch time wasn't that wasn't like the year slogan. That was like the playoff slogan, right? Yeah, it was playoff. Oh, was it? Yeah, yeah. yeah it was playoff. Well, because I'll never forget the Andrew McDonald is here for clutch time thing that they posted after they traded sure for McDonald. Is. And I mean, he was here. <laughs> he definitely was here. He definitely tried to play hockey for the Philadelphia Flyers for quite a long time. I don't know what the what the slogan will be though. To be honest, it's got to be something that like acknowledges that this season was the worst, but also is like we're back and we're not gonna suck yeah. this time. It's, we swear. It's got to be like if they go with the uh, like the Sixers after they lost a couple uh, after they lost a couple NBA championships and they lost a couple Eastern Conference Finals. The uh, we owe you one. Like That's it's good. I, I would love something like that. Like, our bad guys. They they you know what Free they might do. Mondays. They might try to like, like, I don't know how they would do this, but they really might try to sell the idea of like, we care about the fans, like the fans are back in the arena, it's going to be loud again, you know, and try to, you know, it's like, we're all in this together again, kind of like some bullshit like that, you know, like talking about like like, COVID stuff. yeah, like we're all we're all back. We're all this big, you know, Flyers family again, and now we can all go into the Wells Fargo Center and boo the shit out of this team together. Um, they they might go that route. We vaccinated like, the defense. It's like like it's corporate enough, but it's also like trying to sell this idea of like, oh my god, please don't you know not show up to these games now that we're allowed to have you in. I gotta bounce. Keep recording though. Okay. No need to end on account of me. All right, because I just I just have I only have one more uh, one more topic that I absolutely had to get to today, uh, and not even like we have to get to it. It's kind of just a parting thing. But thank you, Kelly, for joining us. Um, and it's on July first, and this will be oh, Bears done too. So uh, real out. quick before we wrap, on July first, Claude Giroux will be eligible for a contract extension. And he has talked uh, extensively about how he really wants to play for one organization, he loves it here, would love to just play for one team for his whole career, if that's possible. There's always a little, a subtle caveat at the end, like, if that's possible. Um, is there a price point on Claude Giroux that they can't exceed? Like, I-, I want him to stay forever. I want him to be the captain of this team in 2040. But at what point isn't it responsible? You know, it's funny because I think 
I'll be that's one of the low key interesting parts about this offseason. And there's a lot of things yeah. about this offseason that are going to be really interesting to watch. I think the Flyers are going to be active. I think they're going to do stuff. But one of the low key interesting parts about this offseason is I'm very curious as to what they're going to do. Because the, so the way contracts work is you can start, you, you can theoretically agree to a contract with a player once it's a year before it exp- the current contract expires. Like, they they could not sign Claude Giroux to a contract extension now, even if they wanted to, even if they had a deal hammered out, because they're literally not allowed to by the CBA. They can on the first day of free agency. That's the first day, because that's the start yeah. of the league year. So one of the low-key interesting things for me about this offseason is, will they try to sign Couturier and Giroux, both of whom's contracts expire at the end of next season? Will they try to sign them early or will they wait because i wonder if like look if the flyers are a competitive team that is trying to win a stanley cup you have kind of have to bring back both katuria and Giroux. Yeah. but if they wait if they don't sign either of them in the offseason if they don't even try to sign either of them in the offseason then you start to wonder if it's like okay are they waiting to see what happens next season and if this season is a precursor for another bad season next year, regardless of what moves they make, then do they say to themselves, okay, we actually do need to do the rebuild, and that includes not re-signing either of those guys and trading them for assets so we can spark a rebuild. Like That's a, that's a low-key interesting thing to me, because if they were to sign one or both of those guys in the offseason, that tells me, yep, we think this year was absolutely a fluke. We're going to bounce back next year. We're in the middle of our window. We're good. That's our belief. If you wait on those guys, then you're leaving the door open to, if this shit goes bad again, maybe we don't lock ourselves in with these guys. Maybe we do look at a possible rebuild next season. That's a low-key interesting thing for me about about this offseason. It's wild to think that they wouldn't re-sign Couturier. Like, Claude Giroux... Also, that would be that would be nuts. But he's a little bit older and is on the wrong side of the aging curve. But to think that they wouldn't re-sign Couturier, like these are the these are the thoughts because like I can't I cannot even come up with actual words. That I mean that's it would just be too much. I mean, in the end, I think they will because I think they believe in this team. I think they believe that they don't need to rebuild. I'm just saying that I mean, the Flyers' two best players right now are Sean Gattari and Claude Giroux. Full stop. They are. They're the Flyers' two best players. And because their two best players both have contracts that are up at the end of next season, the Flyers have a plausible path towards completely changing the direction of this team if they want to. They are not locked in to their two best players. That's a path they could take. And as long as those guys are not extended, that is still a path they could take. And the point I'm making is that the long if the if they go the offseason and neither of those guys are extended, that's a path. A path they could take is saying, hey, we are going to completely remake this roster if the team is bad again next year. And that's not flexibility that every team in the Flyers situation has. It's just flexibility the Flyers have because their two best players could theoretically leave for nothing at the end of 2022. And once you resign one of those guys, you no longer have that flexibility. But if they, if once those guys, you know, if those guys aren't resigned, you could do it. 
it's an option. And I'm just curious as to whether they're going to leave that option open for themselves once the 2021-22 season starts, if that makes sense. Couturier, Couturier's getting 10, right? I don't like, think is he, he gets getting that. 10 million? No, no. Probably I not. I don't think he gets that much. Um, nine? Nine, I could see. Well, what did, um, what did Mark Stone get? I feel like Mark Stone, I think, got nine. Let me take a look at what his contract was. Like nine something. Stone got nine. Yeah, Stone, Stone got nine point nine on a cup contender with no state income. But and but also Stone Caps. was but Stone was younger. Stone was younger. So like I think Stone's contract started when he was twenty seven. Couturier's will start when he's thirty. So that'll matter. And he got. I don't see Couturier getting more than what Stone got, but I think he's going to get a lot. I mean, I think he deserves a lot. Oh no, he's he's worth the money. I'm just like, and he theoretically just has a lot of time left. Like he's a number one center, and it's not like his game ever depended on speed to begin with. Um, he is what he is. I don't see him declining. Like Claude Giroux, man, why wouldn't like just in terms of waiting to see? And I know G wants to stay. It's what he says. Why wouldn't he wait and see? Why wouldn't he be like, let's like this is my this is my last you know quote unquote big contract. It's my last long term contract. Uh, you wasted my entire fucking prime when I legit was a star in this league. Why wouldn't he wait to see like him? It's not just beneficial to the Flyers. If I was him, I'd be like, I fuck it, trade uh, me at the deadline. Probably for like life consistency. Like just doesn't want to deal with contract nonsense. Just like. Tie me up here. Like, this is where I want to be. I think I he's know. like... Or I injury. Mean, they, they, like, there's always the injury question. They live in they live in Philly. You know, his family. He's He started a family here. There's that level of attachment, I think. Um, so I think he would prefer to spend his entire career in Philadelphia. Plus, like, there's an element of... And again, this is why next year is going to be so big. But there's definitely an element of, like, I suffered through the bad. Now, I think this team is on the right track. <laughs> Obviously, this year threw a fucking wrench in that. But, like, I do believe that he does, you know, think this is a much more talented team than the teams he dealt with in the mid-2000s. And there's probably an oh, element yeah. of, you know, I dealt with all the bullshit and the rebuild. I kind of want to reap the rewards, which is why I would want to stay. Now, again, if next year is another disaster, then the whole equation changes, which is, again, why I'm interested to see, like, you know, if they rush to sign him or if they wait. That's, I really want him re-signed because at this point, like, I always, you know, you start at a certain point being like, maybe we should just chemo-teaming in the guy. I feel bad for him, you know, wasting his whole prime and everything. And now, I'm bitter, not against him, just against the whole situation. This is a bad marriage that I will not let him out of. It's gonna be- <laughs> No, no, no. He is stuck. Yeah, the kids are gonna move out of the house or I'm gonna die. We are going to win a cup together, or I'm going to fucking drop dead. You're not allowed to leave. Sorry, bud. Like, that's it. You're stuck here with me. I'm stuck here. You're stuck here. We're going to win or die together. That's it. That's Fly or die, us. baby. So our relationship with Claude Giroux is like my relationship with Grey's Anatomy. Like, we're married. One of us is going to die. That's it. There's like, no that's, fucking way that show's still way on out. the air. It's still on the air. That show was on the air when I was in high school. Yeah. This might be the last season, but we'll see. <laughs> that's insane. <laughs> All right. I don't know how that's what we're wrapping up on. but Once anybody... again, a tie back to Claude Giroux. <laughs> Next season might be his last season as a flyer, but who can but say? we'll see. Uh, say? Anyone have anything else 
before we wrap? Uh, this season has been an absolute nightmare. Thank you for sticking with us because we're in hell too. Um, <laughs> we're going to figure some off-season content out, but nothing will be worse than this season. So thank you, I guess. That's all, right. all I got. And that is all the time we have for you on BSH Radio this week. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. If you haven't already, you know what to do. You got to hit that subscribe button. Search Broad Street Hockey wherever there are podcasts, and boom, content delivered to you daily. Flyers might be mailing it in, but we sure as hell ain't. We got post games, BSH Radio, Fly Purbly, Checking, Forecast, maybe some other stuff. I don't know all of it. It's hard to keep up with. You won't need to go anywhere else for Flyers coverage. That's what I know. So just search Broad Street Hockey, hit that subscribe button, and uh, give us a five-star review. We'd really appreciate it. All right, that's it. Uh, My name is Bill Matz. For Steph, for Charlie, for Kelly, have a great week, everybody. Are you ready to talk about